been a little while. It has. You've probably forgotten the sound of my voice. I forgot how to speak into a mic, really. So, um, see how we go. Let's get into it. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Peak A League podcast. I'm your host, Gerald. Boy, oh boy, it's been a while. It has been, I don't even know how long since the last episode. I think it was in March at some point, but we're at the end of April, probably a good seven weeks or so since I've gotten behind the mic. Well, technically, a couple of weeks ago, um, I think it was two weeks ago, I I was at uni and I went and filmed one in the podcast studio. Um, I was happy with the episode, spoke about the league, spoke about some other stuff, um, got to the end of it, went to edit it, and it was just, the whole audio was just corrupted. And then... I could have done it again. I could have filmed it, but it wouldn't have had the same energy. You know, when you have to resend a voice message or something because it cancels and you try and put on the same voice that you put on like a stand-up comedian telling the same jokes over and over. It wasn't going to be organic and I just, my mood was ruined. I went to class, was bored. Like I was just, it really annoyed me. But And, and so then since then as well, I just haven't been bothered to get back on. But with one week left uh, of the regular season... Um, there's plenty to talk about and I do want to sort of be back for finals time. I did also promise I'm going to have an episode every week, blah, blah, blah. I know, I know, trust me, but um, I really don't think that many people have been missing it because I think overall the apathy towards the league is growing and growing and growing uh, and and yeah, as a result of that, there hasn't really been many people saying, where is it, where is it? I think people have just sort of given up on the league, given up on me, but um, nonetheless, we're here and uh, let's first, let's talk about peak of the week. Um, I didn't watch heaps of it, but I watched more A-League this weekend than what I have in the past. But Saturday night, there was an absolute classic game, oh, sorry, Sunday night, between Perth and Adelaide. Um, just thrown by this week. I can't believe it's Thursday. Like, it feels like Monday or something or Tuesday. Uh, but uh, for all at HBF Park, um, 6,000 people there, basically on the dot. How much better was it when they were having 4,000 at Macedonia Park? Like, you see enough green seats at Amy Park. It didn't really need to see it at Perth. I... I campaign for them to get back to Macedonia next season, add a second tier of temporary seats, get the place rocking with 6,000 instead of four. Um, because I just, it's just sad. How were they able to pack it out and have the tickets in such hot demand? Now they're back at the home stadium and they can barely outsell what they were doing um, previously. It's pretty sad. But the game itself was an absolute classic. Um, Adelaide have got a bit to fight for, uh, you know, coming into that game because there's only one point between second and fourth and that obviously means a home final um, uh, oh, sorry, sorry, I guess not. I'm missing, missing the first week of finals because obviously now there's two legs in the semis anyway, but it means you get straight through to the semifinals. Um, so if Adelaide had won that game, they would have just about shored themselves up. Um, but for Perth, on the other end of things, a win would have put them just a point outside of the finals contention. So both teams had a lot to fight for uh, and Perth came from behind. Uh, I think they were, they were 2-1 down anyway. They got up 4-3. Two goals in stoppage time, but then in the 99th minute, Aaron Kunda scored an equaliser, and Paramount had put up a post saying that Taggart had won it for them in the 96th. By the time it was up, I think the goal had already been scored by Aaron Kunda, but it takes them 10 years to do anything at Paramount. So that was quite a good moment. That tweet went out, was up for all of four seconds, and they had to pull it down as both teams shared the points. That's my peak of the week moment for this week. Now, let's talk about, first, let's get it out of the way. Uh, there is three teams, only three, so don't come at me here for the team that's in ninth place because I know what you're thinking, but three teams that 
absolutely under any circumstances bar a drug saga coming in on the last day of the season. These teams cannot make it. And I have to say, okay, MacArthur, Brisbane Raw, Melbourne Victory. Think back um, a couple of months ago, I did write some teams off. I think I kept Victory in the loop, but I called MacArthur out from about, I think there was sixth or seventh, and I said they will definitely not play finals. They sit bottom. Obviously, there's only three points between them and seventh, but um, yeah, they've been in, in horrific form um, as of late. Losses to Victory and Newcastle in the last couple of weeks. They haven't won any of their last six games, just one of their last nine um, and they've copped some big beatings, 4-1 to Central Coast, 6-1 to Melbourne City, um, 4-0 to Western Sydney, I think twice this season, yeah, twice this year, on New Year's Day and again back in late Feb, so they have been one of the most underwhelming sides, they started off the year, you know, the, the football year, not the calendar year, with, with a bang, winning the Australia Cup, um, a team stacked full of talented players in midfield and attack, and it's just completely fallen over for them. Um, the defense has been all right. Um, but but yeah, I mean, they just haven't had enough players scoring goals. I think Matthew Miller is their, is their top goal scorer, who I thought was a fullback prior to this year. Um, you know, the likes of Craig Noon, Daniel Arzani, Alisson Toure, big names in the A-League that we expected to see quality from. Obviously, um, Ulysses de Villa has had complications outside of football. I think he's had an injury as well. So... I'm um, not going to blame on him, but I think other than other than him, there was a lot of players that should have been performing. Um, and yeah, they just haven't got the best out of them. Seven wins, five draws, 13 losses. Um, lost their manager halfway through the season. It's They're, they're a bit of a joke, really. And um, a really, really disappointing season for them. Um, in what is their, their third season in the competition? Um, just the one finals appearance coming from it so far. So... That is that. Um, next down the line, Brisbane Raw. Um, yeah, I don't know. Mid-season, they were in some hot water. Um, and uh, they've, they've been like a bit hot and cold. Like they smashed Newcastle just a couple of weeks ago. They got a draw away to Wellington. But this loss against Sydney shot all the lights out for them. They don't have a good striker. Um, their midfield's probably the only part I like because Jay O'Shea has carried them throughout this season, but just not enough for them. Um, it'll be interesting to see them next season returning to Suncorp. It was great to see on the weekend against Sydney. They were back at Suncorp. Got 12,000 there um, to a game that really didn't mean a whole lot. I mean, if they had have won, they'd still technically be in the finals count at the moment, but um, it, it, it you know they were already a big outside chance. So to get 12,000 there when earlier in the season, they I think they got seven or 8,000 when they played at um, Suncorp was a really good thing to see. Um, the den, the active support was, was buzzing for the first time in a long time. So, um, some good signs coming into next season, but yeah, for this year, they played 25 games and scored just 25 goals. It is a horrific record. Um, they're going to need to chase a big striker next season, like they did this year. And obviously it didn't work out with Charlie Austin, but, um, I think that's the key. Who knows if Joe Shea will go around again? Probably will. Um, but yeah, they are, they're in for a long off season. That's for sure. And the other one, Melbourne victory. Got a win on the weekend, actually, but uh, yeah, too little, too late. Um, they've had a, a horrific season on and off the field, really. I mean, the start of the season, they were winning their game, sort of, you know, winning here and there. Crowds were packed at Amy Park. Active support was full, and we all know what happened. Um, following that in December, and, and they've never recovered. Hopefully, next season, they can get back to better ways. Nani has apparently left the club. Um, they didn't get much out of him at all. and I, I mean, all the marquees this season have just been complete and utter failures, really, for the league uh, and for their clubs. But um, 
That's the way it is. And now we move on to Western United in ninth position. 29 points, a goal difference of negative 14. Sixth place, Wellington, 32 points, a goal difference of negative seven. So really, Western United needs to beat Perth 4-0. They need MacArthur, the bottom of the table team, to beat Wellington 4-0. If that happens uh, and other results go the way, they'll make finals. But it's uh, it's extremely unlikely at the moment um, for them because yeah, really banking on other teams to perform and, and for themselves to perform, which they haven't been in recent weeks. They, they had a slow start to the season, made a little charge, you know, won a couple of games in a row in March. Um, John Aloisi was put up for manager of the month in March somehow. I don't think he won the award in the end. But um, yeah, they, they've just been too hot and cold. Injuries throughout the season plagued them. Didn't get much out of the signings. Dumbia didn't do much. Had injuries all year. LaCroix has gone backwards a whole lot. Um, so yeah, underwhelming season in, in the championship defense year. And, um, and it's very, very, very unlikely that they'll be featuring in finals football. Similarly, Newcastle on the same amount of points, just one better 13 goal difference, negative 13 goal difference. Um, that loss to Brisbane serves as just a huge slap in the face. Had they have won that game, they'd be heading in this weekend to Sydney with some real hope. Sydney's locked away their final spot. They're also very unlikely to get caught. Um, Wellington would need to win and they'd need to lose. They've got six goal difference between them. So Sydney's pretty much stuck in that fifth position, um, which is exciting because as it sits, the Wanderers are fourth. That would be brilliant to see a, a derby final. Um, would be absolutely packed out, you'd think. But um, yeah, Newcastle, I think, are just as unlikely to make finals. They've actually been pretty good this season. Um, I mean, it's such a close competition. So like eighth and, like I said, eighth and twelfth, there's three points between or four points between. So... Um, it's hard to say they've they've been they've improved heaps because they're probably on similar points to last year. They had a really good patch throughout January and February, um, but since then they've won one of their last uh, what is it one of their last nine games or eight games and a couple of draws in there as well. So they were really setting themselves up uh, for success after I think a, a winning or an unbeaten streak of about six or seven games as well. It's fallen apart late, but some good signs heading into next year. But ultimately right now, I think it is a seven-horse race heading in uh, to the final weekend. New, uh, Perth Glory are on 29 points, a goal difference of nine, negative nine. Wellington, 32 points, a goal difference of negative seven. Now, Wellington are away. I think MacArthur could get up. I have a strange feeling that they could. Perth are at home to Western United, and I think that they will cruise through that game. The way they played against Adelaide, how hungry they are, um, it's really going to set it up. But let's talk about all the games first before we go crazy. Friday night, we've got a double header. Why? Why is it a double header? Like, it's kind of cool in one way, but Paramount barely lets you watch one game at a time. I don't even. I don't think you're going to be able to watch both. I'm like, there's no split screen option. There's uh, Maybe you can just have two tabs open, but what a lot of effort that is. Um, so firstly, it's Melbourne City and Western Sydney Wanderers. Melbourne City are on 52 points. They ran away with the title in the end, uh, with the Premier's plate. Um, so this game's a bit of a free hit for them. That might help the Wanderers. It might not. Um, I'm tipping City to win this one 3-0. They are just way too strong. Will they win the grand final? I, honestly, I don't know. But um, they'll cruise through this one, in my opinion. So that would mean that Western Sydney are fourth. It's up to Adelaide and Central Coast in the same time at Cooper Stadium. Adelaide, 42 points. Central Coast, 41. Winner gets second spot, really. But also, uh, Wanderers and the Mariners are both on the same goal difference on 41 points. So if Adelaide wins and City wins, um, Mariners and Wanderers could still move around based on the score lines. I think Adelaide will win this one 2-1, um, meaning that the table would actually stay the same. It'll be City, Adelaide, Central Coast, Wanderers. 
Um, that's my calls. Three one or three nil and two one. Um, that's yeah. I mean, the fixture's been set since the start of the season, I believe. They haven't changed that, and luckily they've they've got the two top four teams. It's kind of cool in a way, I guess. Um, and t- to be fair, the ske- okay the scheduling's been alright because then Sydney plays the Jets. Um, Sydney's obviously already locked into finals. If Sydney wins that game, that's at five p.m. Newcastle are out. If Newcastle win, they could still be in. Also at the same time is MacArthur and Wellington. And uh, like we said, we need for, for Newcastle, Perth and Western to be any sort of chance. MacArthur need to win that game. Wellington, they get one point or three. They're in 100%. So if MacArthur can beat them convincingly, all the other teams are a chance. Melbourne victory in Brisbane Raw, the only complete dead rubber of the round. Um, and then it finishes at 10 p.m. with Perth and Western. So I like that about the scheduling. They've kind of set us up for two big days of football. I just wish that... Um, that they didn't have the two Friday night games on at the same time. Even just stagger it a little bit. 7.30 and 8 o'clock rather than both 7.45 so that during the halftime break we could watch the other one or something. Whereas now you're sort of going to have to pick between the two which is um, unfortunate. Maybe you're one of those people that can sit and watch both games. Personally, that's not me. I I just can't focus on two games of football at once. Like I can, I'll look at them both and understand what's going on and see the scores but it's just not a good way to watch, um, to watch sport in my opinion um, having a split screen option. Um, but I'm going to say Sydney wins 2-0 at home. They'll go into the finals with a little bit of momentum, knocking Newcastle out of contention. Um, Melbourne victory will probably beat Brisbane. Not that it matters. So the other two games are where it gets interesting. Uh, MacArthur have, um, like I said, been in terrible, terrible form as of late. They've scored one goal, one goal, one, oh, sorry, one goal, one goal, two, one, 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 three, zero, zero, two, one, Two zero one in the last like this year, so we're really we need them to score three or four to give the other teams a chance, and they haven't been able to even get close to that in any games, win, draw, or lose. Um, in in the last sort of ten fifteen games, so the chance of them doing the last day unlikely, but you never know. Let's say they win three nil, right? Let's just say it. It gives Perth the opportunity if they or even if they win two or one nil, it gives Perth a real chance. Western and Newcastle need a bit of a miracle. But if MacArthur can get a 1-0 win, Perth would then only need to win 2-0 or by two goals to get in, um, which I think they will. I think Perth will probably win 3-0 against Western. So I actually think the game will be a one all draw, MacArthur and Wellington. That is my official call. But hopefully MacArthur can win, make it interesting, kick Wellington out of the finals as well would, would be nice um, and set us up for some really exciting finals. If I had to pick any team to get in there, I mean, obviously, I want Western to be there because that's who I support, but I kind of want Newcastle to be in there, um, to be honest, because I think a central it, it could set up Central Coast, Newcastle, and then a Sydney derby for the other finals. That would be very good um, to watch, but that is my... I, I, th- I think I think Wellington will still finish in the finals, and I think I think the table will look exactly the same as what it does uh, right now come, uh, come Saturday night around 12 o'clock. Sorry, I just had to pause for a little sneeze break, but... Um, the other thing I want to talk about, we've gone 15 minutes. The other thing I want to talk about is the future, really, of Western United. I mean, it's it's so intriguing to me um, where the club is headed because you look at the age profile of that team. Jamie Young, there's rumors he's going to go to Melbourne City because Glover's looking overseas. I don't know, but either way, he's not been as good this season. He's been good at times, but yeah, a bit, a bit average overall. He could go. Topless Stanley's retired. Leo Lacroix, who knows? I think he'll leave at the end of this season. He was um, 
a chance to leave last season as well. Garicho and Risen hopefully stay. They you know they're both late twenties or maybe Risen's thirty thirty one. Um, uh, Tomoki Amai is around that thirty age as well. Neil Kilkenny's very old. I think he'll retire from football or at the least leave Western United. Tongo Dumbia is thirty four. I think he'll be going as well. Um, Alexander Previch will definitely be leaving the club. Um, you've got Connor Payne and Lockie Wales and Dylan Pierres, all sort of mid to late twenties. Like I think Connor Payne's late twenties, whereas Pierres is maybe twenty three, twenty four. I don't know. Um, those guys will probably stay. I know Connor Payne inked like a three-year deal. Dylan Pierre seems to really love the club. Obviously, he, his family lives around the area, so it's very convenient for him as well. Lockie Wales seems to be fitting in there well. Noah Botic is the, the, the one sort of you know young star that they have, 21 or 22 years old. I think he'll be at the club again, signed a two-year deal a few weeks ago. But I think, yeah, you'll lose a big, big portion of that team. Lustica probably will stay. Um, Diamante's obviously retired as well. Troisi, I'd be really surprised if he hangs around. So now they're going to have to rebuild. Um, but it comes at a perfect time um, because the stadium in Western United's home base of Tiny is finally, finally having some good updates about it. Grass has been laid down. Now, this is just the training pitch. Um, but I can give you guys a bit of an insight into sort of what is going on at the moment. So the grass has been laid, the grandstand, which probably only seats a few hundred people, but the grandstand and the offices and that sort of thing and the you know maybe a little function room, whatever, like the training facilities are almost finished. They should be done in the next couple of months. They've actually been doing quite a lot of work down there um, in supporter groups and stuff. We're getting constant updates with photos and stuff. I think it's just sort of the diehard fans checking up on it every now and then, but there's always workers there. There's always stuff happening, plenty of equipment around. So it's looking good. Um, the money's clearly there to build these training facilities. You know, there's going to be three grounds there. One of them's going to be suitable for women's and men's A-League matches as, as far as we've been told. And they will be adopting a similar um, approach to Perth at Macedonia Park. They'll be putting in temporary seating. So it says that the ground can hold a capacity of 5,000 people overall. That's not that's not talking seats, but saying 5,000 people. But with the seats added in, they're going to push it out to be 8,000 people. So I don't know if that means like 3,000 seats plus all the standing room, but I imagine that the, the seats will take up a lot of the standing room, right? So hopefully they're putting in, you know, 5,000 seats, 6,000 seats, whatever it might be. They're currently talking to different um, suppliers that, you know, about temporary stands. And um, and the belief and the hope is that that will be ready for the start of the season in, you know, October or September, whatever it ends up being. So um, yeah, in one way it's, a fresh start. And the other way, you're coming in, you're trying to advertise it to people of the West and there's a bunch of new players that no one knows. Um, but I think like the majority of people around the area don't even know anything about the team now that it won't really matter. Um, I mean, a couple of years ago when Western first started, I feel like they were doing a bit more, getting around to schools, getting around to local clubs. Even when they won the, the title, they were taking it around to all different clubs and giving people the opportunity to take photos with the trophy and the players and that sort of thing. I feel like they've gotten really complacent um, this year in particular. They've really stopped doing that stuff. Crowd numbers are at an all-time low in the club's history. Um, you know, 5,000 in the first season or so was condemned at the time, but would love to have 5,000 now, I'll tell you that much. Maybe staying in Geelong would have um, been a better thing for the club in terms of numbers, but I know it was costing a lot. So, um, and, and Geelong in general wasn't too happy to be hosting the games at GMHBA. The footy club wasn't happy, things like that. So... Um, they already had, you know, a big deal with Melbourne Renegades for the summer, so it made it difficult. Um, but yeah, I, I hope that this is the end of home games at Amy Park. I really hope it's the end of home games at Mars Stadium in Ballarat. Although it's not a bad place 
to watch the game, honestly, because it's a bit of a smaller stadium, whatever. It's only got, you know, a few thousand seats and stuff. It's it's annoying to go there. It's so annoying to travel there. Um, no one really goes anymore. The first couple of times, it's got good crowds from both people traveling over uh, and also just locals. But I don't think anyone's really interested in that experiment anymore. So, um, look, it couldn't come quickly enough. And then uh, the other thing that I can say is that apparently from, I don't know if it's from now or from the time that gets done towards the end of this year, it'll be about two years until the stadium is ready. They still have full plans and full desire of building that 15,000 seat stadium, which is a little bit baffling to me, but that's the information I've been told. That's the information that we'll go with until we're told otherwise, I suppose. Um, so say it's two years from, from now even, that's middle of 2025. Originally, it was supposed to be... What, 2021, 2022, around, I think it was supposed to be done end of 2021. So it's going to be about four years late, best case scenario, which um, isn't great. But if for the next two seasons, Weston's playing at Tiny in front of 8,000 instead of 15,000 seats, that's a pretty good result. And that's the other thing is, I wonder how many people will really turn up? Because as I was saying, so I sort of got sidetracked. In the first couple of years, all throughout the streets of Werribee and stuff, there was Western flags everywhere. Now, when you drive through, there's like Werribee VFL ones and or there's just nothing. Like all the promo for Western in the local area has sort of gone away. Um, and that doesn't help, you know, because you want people to know who the team is. I think if you walked around the streets of Werribee right now and asked 100 people, maybe 20 of them would know. I see a few kits and hats and whatever around um, like I work in a cafe every now and then I'll see someone walk in with a Western United hat on or something and I'll think, oh, that's kind of cool. But you really would be hoping to see more of, of that because you see a lot of AFL and that sort of thing, you know, merchandise coming through. So um, it's it's going to be hard, I think, to get people to come. I think they're going to have to do the first couple of games, really cheap tickets, give it away to schools, give it away to workplaces, just get people in. Um, because 8,000 people there would be fantastic and would actually prove to, to everybody in this scene that they can pull in a crowd. Because right now, the biggest home crowd they've ever had is, I think, um, maybe 9,000 out of a game against Victory. Without Victory, probably 6,000 or something, 7,000 in the first couple of games. This season, the highest is probably about 3,000. And even now, we, we can't really trust those crowd numbers because it always looks like less. They've only got like half of the ground open at Amy Park. It looks completely empty. Um, so yeah, 8,000 will be a struggle, but I think there is a large part of the Western United supporter base because they got, you know, 20,000 followers, whatever, that are just people who are waiting for it to happen. Maybe they've forgotten, but if you see it in the local paper, you see it advertised everywhere, Western United's coming to Tarni, I think it could pull people in. Um, I've just ranted about that for a long time, but it always, it's just such an interesting conversation because it's, I feel this year I've really sort of started to fall out of love with Western a bit and, and lose a bit of interest. I think that's on the back of the bad form, the atmosphere being so terrible at the games and, and ultimately everything that's happened with the APL as well has pushed me away from the league in general, which in turn has pushed me away from my club. Um, and I haven't made as much effort to get to games and things like that um, in, in this year. I've been to a couple um, out of maybe five or six games that I could have gone to this year. So I've definitely backed off and so have a lot of other people. But I think saving grace for Western could be playing at home if it we if we get to October and it's still not ready, there's gonna be real alarm bells. But for now, I'm actually feeling pretty hopeful, and I think being able to travel ten minutes or five ten minutes to go and watch my team opposed to an hour is gonna be very exciting, um, and something that not many other clubs in the league can can even say. So uh, that is all. Let me know what you think about Western and their future and about the finals calls. 
Um, I'll be back next week. All right, I promise. I'll be back next week to chat finals football. Also, how close were we to having an all-Melbourne women's grand final? That would have been unbelievable. Um, go Western this week. I reckon they'll get the job done against Sydney in front of a crowd of 6,254. That is my prediction. Thank you guys very much for listening and I'll see you all next week.